Welcome to the My Personal Football Coach Youth Soccer Player Development Podcast, episode 45 with Jimmy Sean. Welcome to MyPersonalFootballCoach.com's Soccer Player Development Podcast. Discover all the secrets, hints and tips about soccer player development and soccer coaching from some of the leading figures in world soccer. Here's your host, Saul Isaacson-Hurst. Hi guys, welcome back to another show. Uh, we've got a fantastic guest for you this time on the show, someone who's had really an incredible career already in the game, Jimmy Sean. Now, Jimmy Sean, obviously, some of you don't know, he was um, the manager of West Bromwich Albion. But uh, what was interesting, obviously, he worked his way up throughout the club, throughout the academy. Famously, he'd worked with the eights and the sevens all the way to the first team. A um, little bit, little bit of history before that as well. He had a, you know, he worked at Birmingham before that and full time, and has got quite an incredible journey working at all the age groups, uh, all the development levels, and at the pro pro game at the highest level. So incredible career um, already, as I said, and you know some fantastic knowledge. Uh, to share with us, uh, I found this real, real fascinating. He's really inspiring, Jimmy. Obviously, because he has worked his way up. You know, didn't have a, a, a playing career as such. So, you know, worked his way up through his coaching, uh, his quality of coaching, and his methodology. And interesting to think about. You know, how he, you know, secured full-time positions in the academy at Birmingham very quickly, and then obviously at uh, West Brom, working his way all the way up to the top. So. Someone obviously to learn lots of, uh, very inspiring, like I said. So really privileged Jimmy came on the show. Uh, you should check him out as well on Twitter. Uh, he's always sharing some fantastic sessions that he does on his little tactics board there. So uh, as you say, this one's a, a real great one. I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. Uh, also now I've got a big announcement. Just want to make a big announcement now. Uh, really happy that we can finally announce the release of the first position-specific course on my personal football coach. So this is a world first. There's nothing like it in the world in terms of a position-specific course available on an app. Now, so the first one is a, a forward-wide player course. So if you play as a forward, as a 7 or 11, or anywhere higher up the pitch, this is ideal for you or any coach who's interested in learning more about the position, coaching the position individually and within a game. Uh, this individual uh, position-specific course includes detailed tutorials about all the technical and tactical, tactical areas of the wide forward play. Uh, also, it includes uh, position-specific drills that you can do, um, position-specific ball mastery, and also um, position-specific 1v1 skills and 1v1 elements. So I'm really happy about this. It's taken a long time. been working on this for a long time. Uh, but I'm really happy about it. So if you're interested in, in checking out the new My Personal Football Coach position-specific skills, the wide forward course, just go to My Personal Football Coach, uh, click on player, and then go to the position-specific courses. So um, like I said, this is uh, really unique, uh, really happy how this looks. So uh, go in the, go there, check it out uh, if you want to take your game to the next level. Uh, just quickly as well, just want to say if you are enjoying the show, please do leave a review. Uh, it really does 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 help. And uh, finally, just want to say, look, um, next month's Baltimore, the big convention out in America, uh, the United Soccer Coaches. Looking forward to going out there. If you want to connect with me, just drop me a message. I'm really looking forward to connect with as many people as possible, particularly people, you know, DOCs, uh, ODP coaches, people who want to understand how their club partnership can take their club to the next level. Uh, so yeah, so really excited about that. Hopefully I'll see some of you guys in just January at the conference. Um, but before that, let's get into the show. 
So, Jimmy Sean, welcome to the show. Thank you. Can you just give us a little bit of a brief uh, outline of your your playing and coaching experience to this date? Yeah, so playing really no notable playing playing experience. Um, I was at Warsaw as an under fifteen, under sixteen. Broke my ankle as a sixteen year old um, and never got offered a, a YTS. Um, managed to play at some decent enough level at semi-pro and got invited to probably three or four clubs to try, but nothing materialised. So fell into coaching in 2001, um, where I started working for the community scheme at Birmingham City. Um, very quickly transitioned to working as a part-time coach within their academy before taking a full-time role in their academy as assistant academy manager. Um, moved across to, to West Brom in 2006. Um, where I've pretty much worked with every age group from working in the pre-academy under 7, under 8, um, working in their 12 to 16 program, under 18s, under 23s, then progressed as a, as a first team coach and, and finally you know, leaving the football club, having had a three-month spell as, as caretaker head coach. Well, I mean, I mean, yeah, it's pretty much um, well documented. You've worked at all levels of the game, you know, you say from mm-hmm. under 8s all the way to the first team. Just give us, just to just roll it back now, tell us about your first ever coaching job and what was that and how it came about and what were the experiences like? Yeah, so um, I used to, prior to going into Warsaw, I used to play for a local team and it was my, 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 my mate's father who ran the team and he kind of took that team all the way through to under 18s. Had a couple of years out and then started again and I'd, I'd, I'd come across him, I'd met him in the street and um, he'd said to me that he'd, he'd started back up and would I, would I go and help him and that he was taking another seven team, a, a team called Cadbury Athletic and I said, yeah, I'll come down and run and give him a hand and really enjoyed it. He then told me that um, Birmingham City were doing a, a coaching qualification, which was then the, the level two, the C licence. I should enrol in it, so I enrolled on that. Um, did a week's, a week's intense course um, at their training ground. And at the end of the week, their community officer asked me if I wanted to do some part-time work for him. Um, so I did a, I did a, a soccer camp, a fun week, um, did that thoroughly enjoyed it again um, felt that I did an, an okay an okay job and then he offered me a, a full-time job so my first role was in 2002 working you know for the community scheme at Birmingham which you know involved going into into schools and, and taking over PE lessons predominantly working in after school clubs doing development centers Saturday morning clinics doing the fun weeks and and that's kind of how I, how I, you know how I, how I got into into the into the coaching role so, so that full-time role came up pretty quick, right? It did, yeah. It did, and, and kind of, kind of my progression for you know from from going from community football into into you know what I deem as an elite level in terms of working at an academy that that happened quite quickly as well. So, um, you know, I think I started January two thousand two at the community scheme, and by the by the July or the August of that, of that same year, I got offered a, a, a part-time role taking in twelves at the academy. So. Um, you know, one thing, one thing that I was, and I've always continued to do. Um, you know, I've always put the hours in, and always looked to to improve myself, and you know, and to look at different resources and, and watch different coaches to, to try and improve. And I think, I think my time working with the, the community scheme, and you know, and, and being proactive and asking the academy if I could sneak in and watch sessions. You know, I think that I think that stood me in good stead. You know, for them to knowing first and foremost, I had the right attributes and personality to to work hard and to improve. So, so let's because that's two interesting points you made there. It's just firstly, then talk about your time at the community scheme, working in those after-school clubs and those soccer schools and stuff like that. How important was that for you 
in terms of your grounding as a coach and what are your main takeaways from those sorts of experiences? For me, I, th- I think it was a, a vital time. Um, so, of course, you know, you, you a lot of the time in these after-school clubs, you're, you're a glori- glorified babysitter and, you know, half the kids don't want to be there. It's a case of, you know, mummy and daddy are working late and, you know, it's a, it's a cheap alternative to, to getting someone to look after the kids. So, you know, have it, have being able to manage people and to communicate and, you know, and, and to trial and error with, with sessions, I, I think it was a vital stage. And, you know, the early parts of, of my community days, I had I probably had about three or four sessions and, and used to repeat them, you know, and had nothing nothing more than that, you know. So, um, you know, it was it was a, a wonderful time for me to be able to when I, when I came across something new um, to be able to experiment and to see what worked and and even daft things on, you know, and being being quick at putting out cones and picking cones up and you know making making my pretty straight line, you know, even even daft things like that. I think it was a you know a vital part in, in, in into into the makeup of, of being the coach that I am today. And, and what do you think it was that, you know, in, uh, inspired them to give you a full-time role and that, you know, as you all know, full-time roles in football are, you know, are like gold dust. What do you think what was, you know, what was the trigger that said, why this guy's got something about him that's given the full-time role? Well, the, the academy manager at the time was a, a gentleman by the name of Stuart Hall. Um, and Stuart's, uh, Stuart's a, he's been an NFA tutor. Stuart. Re- really is probably probably you know, my my first real mentor as a, as a coach and the level of detail and the level of, of information and, and understanding of the game that, that that gentleman has you know he's he's very very good I'd, I'd put him right up there with you know with, with, with the great of Dick Bate um, the great of Dick the, the great of Dick Bate so um, although he had all this fab- fabulous knowledge and, and information and detail one thing Stuart always said was you know first and foremost you have to have an appropriate personality to be a coach and the players have got to like you, you know, they've got to, they've got to warm to you and, and I think I had a, an affectionate personality and I was, you know, I was able to, able to, you know, add enthusiasm into, into my work and, you know, and to be, and to be real, real keen in that sense. So I think first and foremost, I got offered a job to work part-time within the academy because of my personality and because I displayed the traits that I was able to, to communicate, able to, you know, be enthusiastic, to inspire people. You know, nothing to do with, with my knowledge of the game because that was very very limited and you know my experience of coaching and you know and, and putting on sessions was very very limited so I think first and foremost having that having a personality that that he he saw something within that personality that you know he thought that I'd be able to inspire the kids and obviously show the right traits in terms of having a growth mindset and wanting to wanting to learn and improve myself and so you mentioned as well there about sneaking in and asking to come and have a look and that sort of thing how important was that in terms of getting that opportunity yeah, really important, you know, just to just again, just to come across new sessions and you know, and to and to watch watch different coaches communicate and you know, and how they structured their information and how much information they gave and you know, and, and you know, the, the different interventions they used. So, you know, that that was that was really important for me and you know, and, and really at the time, at the time that I went in to do it, I didn't have real any great aspirations or my thought process wasn't that I'm going to work, you know, at academy level full time. It was just a case to go in and, and try and steal some sessions. So, you know, the, the job that I was doing in terms of working development centres and the community-based stuff, just just so I could, you know, I could, I could have a a bigger session library, if if, if you like. But, um, you know, what it did do as well, watching other people work, and, and then I started to, you know, started to replicate their sessions, and you know, not not getting carried away with myself at any stage, and, and I still wouldn't know. But and I thought. You know, maybe maybe I could do this. You know, maybe maybe I could I could work at this elite level, and 
unfortunately, you know, six months later, they, they gave him an opportunity. So then, let's talk about that first. Your first role in the under twelve, um, under twelve coach at the Birmingham at the academy. What was that like initially in terms of the difference between working in the foundation? Uh, talk about your session design and all those different factors. Night and day. You know, I mean, obviously, you know, you're working with an elite, an elite player. Um, the, the academy at the time had some some outstanding individuals and some outstanding talent in. Um, I think the year group below that had the likes of Nathan Redmond and. Um, there's a couple of other players that have gone on to get to careers in the game, Callum, Callum Riley. So, you know, there was there was a high caliber of player, and I kind of went in there, and I'd never had any prior experience into into, into running a team or you know into structuring the team. So, um, I was very much thrown in the deep end. I was fortunate the the then assistant academy manager Richard Stevens um, kind of shadowed me. So, you know, in terms of what I was doing in the prior six months in going in and watching people work, um, he kind of really was my shadow and. You know, and kind of was the voice in my ear that you know, if, if an area was too big or it was too small, or you know, or you know, it wasn't something, something wasn't quite right. He was, you know, he was that voice in my ear, and you know, and trying to challenge me and check me. So that was that was vital. Um, but it gave me, it gave me, you know, give me confidence on, you know, in terms of when you're you're turning up with your your team and you're the lead coach on the side of the pitch and you're up against somebody who's got some experience and some big clubs. You know, it gave me, it gave me lots of confidence that you know that. You know that maybe potentially I could I could make a real good a real good career of being a, becoming a coach. And so tell us a bit about then your you mean what are the your duties of an under twelve academy coach. Um, yeah, I think I think we were I think we were a little bit different at, at the times at Birmingham. So um, we were we were probably more heavily into into developing technique as opposed to in, you know developing the player tactically. So everything that we did you know pretty much evolved around. You know, basic, basic, basic technical principles in terms of you know the basic punch pass and moving the ball quickly with a purpose, recognising when to play back foot, recognising when to play safe side. Um, you know, working on body shape, on getting people front face and getting people turned quickly. So, you know, a lot of a lot of the stuff probably probably suited my coaching experiences and my coaching development because tactically I didn't really know an awful lot about the game um, in terms of delivery. Um, so you know, a lot of a lot of the sessions, although they'd have a tactical element. A lot of them were heavily, heavily geared on the 12 level towards that 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 technical refinement and, and technical development. And it really wasn't until the other 13 and the 14 age groups that that the crossover, where the more experienced coaches uh, lay at Birmingham City, that they'd start to start to implement the tactical side of the game. So for me, it was you know it was understanding the playing shape of playing a 4-4-2, making sure the midfield plays very very simply played on different lines, making sure the front two played on different lines. One was a nine and one was a ten. With our full-time week by via our wide players, and then very, very crudely and simply without the ball, we just fell into fell into a you know into into a four-four-two. So the tactical element there wasn't an awful lot. Um, it, it was more more so you know those 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 key technical attributes that, that the academy deemed to be very very important at that moment in time. And but what been what what sort of things did you have to do as a team coach? Not obviously just running sessions and stuff like that. What what are the other things you had to do? What are your roles and responsibilities? I mean, people are most interested to hear you know what goes on behind the scenes in, uh, as an under twelves coach. Um, some time ago, so I'm trying to trying to trying to get me, me mind back to that. So um, I mean, each each player also had a had like a homework diary, so they would comment on the session. Um, they would comment and write down this down what they learned and they'd hand these hand these books in every every Saturday. So Saturday morning session they'd hand them in. 
and you'd, you'd have you'd have three or three or four days um, of the week of, of their session and an evaluation from from their game. So you know there was there was that aspect of what about what about, what about what about general admin and stuff in terms of looking after things, organisational things. In terms of match planning, match squad, those sorts of areas, I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're talking back now at 2002, 2003. So, you know, back then there wasn't wasn't a great deal. You know, it was there was a session plan. Um, you know, so there was you know, obviously organising your session plan and making sure that was logged, and there was an evaluation on that. In terms of anything organisational, you know, pretty much everything at, at the academy at Birmingham at that time was it was it was there on your, you know, it was there laid out for you. So, um, you know. Maybe, maybe, maybe on a Saturday, Saturday after the session, grab, grab the kit, check the kit, make sure everything, everything's in, in, in place in there. Make sure you've got your team book and things like that. But you know, very, very little. You know, as, as opposed from, you know, really turning up and, and making sure that you've planned and prepared your session and delivering it. Um, you know, with the, with the added uh, responsive, added responsibility of, of these little homework diaries. So in terms of, in terms of really organising, organising things, there was there was very, very little to do. If I'm being honest with you. And what was it like in terms of you know your your new coach, the new thing? How how much pressure was there in that environment? How was it was it intimidating? I mean, how, how did you deal with that? Yeah, well, I was I would have been twenty twenty two twenty three, so I would have been probably the second youngest coach there, and I think the biggest the biggest resistance that I had was from the parents. So um, you know, under under twelves, it's their their first time into eleven aside football. Um, they obviously knew that I didn't have a lot of experience because I would have, I would have been a baby-faced coach. So I had quite a, quite a lot of resistance from the parents on them expecting their sons to be in an elite, elite football academy and to, to be led by a coach who's got vast experience. So I had to overcome that. Um, as I said to you, I had no prior understanding of, of, of take, taking a team, you know, team up, up until that point. So I recall the, my first ever game was away at Everton. Um, we took, I think we took three three outfield subs and an outfield goalkeeper. Now, I understood and knew that the you know the the, the 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 game time was divided differently. So we played three twenty fives. The last twenty five was split into two twelve and a half minute periods. Now, I didn't know they had to share the, share the minutes with the players. So, you know, my, my 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 first game, I went to Everton and drew one one. I was absolutely buzzing, but three subs probably only got a maximum of 50, the, the, the most the most one player got was fifteen minutes. I didn't read, you know, I didn't understand that you had to had to share the minutes and you know, and share the development. So, you know, that was kind of was a was it was a new thing for me and and one that you know that I immediately had a had a phone call from the assistant academy manager telling telling me what I did wrong. So, you know, there was there was a lot of resistance from the players and then obviously me me making that error on my first game kind of added to that pressure and I think looking around me and and there was lots of coaches within within the academy who had some. You know some wonderful experience, you know, and, and some wonderful knowledge and wonderful sessions. That also was a was, was a challenging factor and challenging time. And so, tell us about your next role at Birmingham, uh, your full time role there. Yeah, well, I think I, by the time I, by the time I went full time, I had two years under my belt, and um, those two years wasn't you know wasn't me just taking the twelves. I, I went and worked with the sevens and eights um, pre academy. I went and assisted the under sixteens. You know, so I, I began to get some real coaching hours into me. So real exposure to working with different age groups, um, you know. So kind of by the time that I went in full time within within the academy, I felt I had great a greater level of experience, a greater level of knowledge, and um, made that transition. So you know, I'd really really put a lot of hard work into into those prior two years in getting some grass contact time and and coaching hours, um, and 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 I, and I felt I was kind of I was kind of ready for, for that next challenge. And 
my role then was to was to oversee the nine to sixteen program. So um, you know, just just to make sure that we had a we had a technical program and a tactical program in place for, for those age groups. So I think at the time I kind of thought that you know I knew everything. Um, although I'd, I'd like to think I've never really had a had a coaching ego and I wouldn't have come across that way. But looking back now and reflecting on you know on, on where my journeys journeys gone and, and, and evolved, you know I, I really didn't know an awful lot. You know it was you know it was a case of a case of at that moment in time just just trying to deliver and you know and and and, and give the coaches underneath me my support um, and, and the players the, the the best of whatever knowledge I had, had available. But again, it was a it gave me the opportunity to get in get in full time and and just to just to you know crudely you know give me the chance to to get those hard yards in and. And get on the grass and, and, and make many, many, many mistakes. And what was that like in terms of day-to-day life? In terms of lifestyle, for instance, obviously people associate full-time football with a very glamorous type of position. I mean, but tell what are the realities of working full-time for a football club? Um, well, I think I think my first my first five years working in football, you know, in the, even in the crossover working part-time, more so as a as a as a, as a full-time seven-day weeks, you know, and. You know, and, and and more more often than not, five five evenings a week. And um, did I need to do that? Could have could I have worked six days? Yeah. Could I have only worked three nights? Yeah. But I think me being me, you know, I wanted to improve. I was desperate to improve. I wanted to get better. And the only way to do that is is, is to grasp it. So far from being a, a glamorous lifestyle, um, there are many many sacrifices, you know, that that I I'd made on that journey that I continued to make on that journey um, and obviously as the, as the as the industry progressed and the introduction of EPPP you know there were a lot more admin requirements so you speak about the organisational stuff at Birmingham it was it was minimal there was, there was practically nothing all of a sudden when EPPP come in you know there, there's lots of things that you need to do and six weekly reviews and you know and different things like that and, and target setting and individual individual plans for, for players so um, yeah, it's far far from a, a glamorous lifestyle but one that you know one that I, I fell in love with and I fell in love with the process and you know, very, very passionate to, to want to improve and develop as a, as a coach and as a person. When you were working across the 9 to 16s there, did you have a favourite age group you preferred working with? Um, yeah, probably, probably the 16s, probably the ones who were you know, at the end of the journey because you know, they, they obviously physically you know, they're, 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 they're more matured. Um, they've been through a process of you know, lots of trial and error, and, and, and of course, them themselves making lots of mistakes. And most importantly for me, it was you know, more the more so at Birmingham than it was at West Brom. You know, a real, real competitive focus. So, you know, match days on a Saturday when the you know when the 16s were playing the same time as the 18s, you know, there was a real, real focus on winning. And you know, and I'm, I've always been very, very competitive, um, and I liked it. You know, not to the detriment of development, and not to the detriment of of your playing style and your playing philosophy, but. The players really grasped that, you know, it was it was about winning, and, and they were very very competitive, and of course they were all competing, you know, with each other um, and against themselves to, you know, to, to try and land a try and land a, uh, you know, a full time scholarship. So that probably was 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 the my, my favourable one just because of the level of, of competitiveness that, that that they have. And I mean, you mentioned earlier about maybe that tactically you weren't as progressed maybe as you could be. So how did you upskill yourself in that time from? Being a part-time coach and being head of 1916s, what did you do to make yourself better in that particular area? I think watch loads, lots of games. I think that, I think that's vitally important. Um, you know, to you know, when, the, when there's a game on the TV, and if you're not able to watch it, record it and, and go back on it. Um, you know, getting out and speaking to people. Um, as I said to you, you know, I had, 
I had two two really good mentor, mentors at, at Birmingham in Stuart Hall who loved the game. Um, Stuart was very much of a, of, a, of a Dutch kind of way of thinking and and, and at that moment in time quite quite forward thinking. You know, he, he was he was ultra four three three. So in terms of tactics and and different systems, a lot a lot of academies at that time were playing four four two and and we were at Birmingham. It was only up until the under fifteen, under sixteen, and, and under eighteen years they they tweaked and, and played four three three. So. You know, getting around people and being inquisitive and, and watching people work, you know, gave me the opportunity to, to, to understand it a little more. And, you know, when going back to it again, you know, getting back on the grass and, you know, and, and, and me putting it into practice and, and making bags and bags of mistakes. But um, I'd always been, as a, as a player, people used to describe me because I was quite small as a, as, as, a, as a youngster and, you know, not very not very well developed. I was quite a, quite a late developer in terms of my physical stature and build. Um, so I was always very, very technical, and people always said I had a good brain. So, you know, once once kind of somebody explained something to me or saw something that I liked, and I don't want to install, I've always I've always had quite a quite a good way of, of putting things into practice and, and quite a good way of of learning things and retaining things. So I think that 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 that, um, that helped massively along the way as well. And so then, tell us about then you moved up to academy manager. Uh, what was that like? What was what were the change in your your roles and responsibilities? Yeah, so it was it was assistant academy manager. So again, again at Birmingham, it was pretty much pretty much that role of of overseeing that nine to sixteen program. So um, just making sure that um, parent parent player meetings um, they were scheduled in, you know, at the appropriate times. Um, making sure that when there was breaks in the in the in the fixture programs that we had rearranged additional fixtures um, and just like, just overseeing, you know, CPD events for the staff and things like that. So. Um, you know, really, really just overseeing and just making sure that the the program um, that was already in place, you know, that, that was just that was just delivered, you know, as, as best it, as best it possibly could could be. And um, you know, very. I don't. I don't. I've got to be honest with you. I don't think I, I I put anything new in terms of in terms of a program at Birmingham. One because of my level of knowledge and experience. Um, you know, and, and two because there was already a. A very in-depth program already already put in place by, as I said, you know, two two very experienced gentlemen above me. And I mean, Birmingham has like a, a track record of producing players, but lots of lots of technical, you know, wide players, dribblers come out of that. You mentioned Redmond earlier, quite a few players yeah. like that. Talked about that technical work at the younger age groups. Anything else? Why do you think you produce, you know, so many players in that sort of ilk? Um. Um. I think I think yes, and this this continued at West Brom as well. I think a lot of a lot of the coaching program and the coaching philosophy, a lot of it was offensive, you know. So a lot of it was based around in possession. So um, if you're if you're going to have a coaching program and a coaching philosophy that you're going to be heavily heavily steered in the direction of, of working offensively, you know, it's, it's only natural you're going to produce those players. And um, you know, I was obviously at West Brom, you know, for 13 years and at Birmingham Money for four or five years and. That's something that we we seen at West Brom that you know we had very much for the first first four or five years as a as, as an academy and academy status, everything was geared around you know what we were like with the ball and, and an in possession philosophy and and in turn at West Brom as well you know we, we produced many forward thinking players and and many productive players in the final third of the pitch. And so then let's let's move on to your time at West Brom. How did that that job come about and what was it that you went over to do there? So there was um, there was a change in academy manager at Birmingham, um, and my position as assistant academy manager was was a little bit up in the air. Um, at that time, Dan Ashworth was at was at West Brom, and, and he caught wind of it and asked me to go and speak to him. So I went across and, and spoke to Dan, and 
West Brom at the time had just had this this uh, new full size dome put in place and and been built and spoke to Dan who was you know again uh, I suppose in the same breath as Stuart Hall you know probably a little bit ahead of his time very very forward thinking he sold the program um, you know and was and was able really to provide a, a role very very similar to the one that that was in jeopardy at Birmingham so I jumped at the chance of going across to West Brom and um, you know spent spent 13, 13 years there. So, so you went over as like an assistant academy manager. So there was no, yeah, the, the, the kind of the one, the one issue, one issue was that there was already a, an assistant academy manager put in pl- in place, um, and there was no real specific role for me for me to fill. So they made a title up of performance coach, which I worked seven days a week, and I worked with under sevens all the way through to sixteen. So um, whenever there was a, a program on or an age group in. That I could work with, I worked with them, and my age group on a, on a Sunday was under 11, so that was something new for me because I'd never, you know, although I'd worked in the pre academy at Birmingham and, you know, and watched games at, you know, small sided football, I'd, I'd, ne- I'd never worked, I'd never worked in the five a side, six a side, or seven a, seven a side team, so that was something, something very, very new for me as well. So, in terms of, like you say, you worked with all the age groups, I mean, what, what, how would that work in terms of each age group has a, a coach ready to go and support them, and you, or you take small groups, or what exactly were you doing? Yeah, so I mean, the seven and eight obviously is the pre-academy work. So um, again, West Brom being the forward-thinking academy that they were at that time, most clubs most clubs had their seven and eights in one day a week. We had we had ours in two days a week. So every Monday and every Friday, I'd work the seven and eights. Um, the sixteens, Dan Ashworth as academy manager, he took he took. Um, so I assisted him with the sixteens and the fifteens um, on a, on a Monday evening as well. Um, and then West Brom were one of the, one of the one of the, one of the key uh, the first first real academies really to, to, to look at getting a getting a score release program. So we had a score release program for the 15, 16 on a Tuesday, which again I worked on, and then one with their nines, tens, and elevens on the Thursday. Um, so yeah, it was a case of when these when they, when some of these age groups were in and they had part time coaches as their lead coach, but it was in the daytime and these part time coaches were obviously. Had commitments to their full-time job. I'd step in and, and work with those age groups, and you know, just give me, give me some again, some real, real good exposure to working at different different levels and uh, different abilities, and, and you know, got me got me a real, real good, I, I guess, experience of, of, of look, looking and recognizing how different age groups and you know, and, and age groups developed and, and how they progressed and learned. Uh, and tell us about working with the seven and eights. What was that like? What were the main challenges there with working with that age group? I think probably first and foremost, as you'd probably guess, you know, them being young and excitable, you know, just making sure that there was structure and organisation, and you know, you know, I think that's making making sure they understood the, you know, the rules of the practice, and you know, nothing was too complex for them. But of course, at their age group, you know, it, it's about making things fun and making things exciting and making things challenging. And I thoroughly enjoyed it because you know, these kids would come in, they'd be in awe of of the facility, they'd be in awe of you wearing a you know, wearing a West Bromwich Albion logo and, um, you know, they, they they just wanted to come in and impress every week. So I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I guess, the only, as I said, the only the only challenge was just making sure that, you know, they understood that, you know, that discipline aspect in terms of that when it was session time and when it was time for the coach to speak, that their mouths and their lips were closed and their eyes were focused on you so they, they could, they could you know, take on board information and, um, you know, I have to, have to say it was probably one of my one of my most favourable sessions of the week working with them because of because of the energy they brought into into, into the facility as well. And tell us a little bit about what the main the main the main differences between when you came over from Birmingham to West Brom. 
what were the, 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 the contrast and what, what was similar? Um, I think when I first went across the level of player, um, certainly certainly in the lower age group, so probably from under 13 down, um, there was a, there was a big difference from the level of player at Birmingham to West Brom. Birmingham were, you know, had been an established academy. I think West Brom, when I went there, had academy status for one year, so they're obviously they were obviously a, a centre of excellence before that. So the level of player, um, I'd probably say, was was wasn't as good as what was at Birmingham. So that was a little bit challenging, um, but they had. A recruitment officer who previously worked at Birmingham, who who was the best in in the area. Um, so I knew that we would end up attracting the right type of player and getting the right caliber of player into that football club. And then we had, as I, I keep saying, you know, somebody who was as forward thinking as Dan Ashworth, who had a more in depth technical program, probably a greater structure. So there was a lot of all, autom- uh, autonomy to the coaches at Birmingham in terms of, you know, there'd be some set guidelines to work on. Whereas at West Brom. There was a proper, proper um, technical and tactical curriculum that was scheduled throughout the season. So um, you were never told what session to deliver, but the topics and a breakdown of detail of, of what level of information you should enter with enter with the players. Um, that was something that I found I found very, very, very beneficial. Um, and then they had a had a position specific program, which is something that you know we'd done little bits of that kind of work at Birmingham. But the program that that was at West Brom was, you know, was 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 really was an elite program. That you know, it was it was one that was devised very 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 cleverly in terms of um, you'd work in isolation with a particular position stroke unit, and then everything was planned to bring things in together to to to, to, to formulate either a small side game or eleven v eleven to finish. So there were lots and lots of things that that really aided my development and my thinking as a coach in terms of the curriculums and the programs that were already in place at West Brom. And what age group did that position specific work start? So that was under 12, so you know, as, as I said, you know, the under 12s at Birmingham was, was still very much technical, whereas the under 12s and, 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 and above, you know, there, there started to be a tactical shift. So, um, for example, the 12s at West Brom would have worked, they'd have worked a Tuesday, a Tuesday and that would have been off their technical program, which would be uh, broken. I'll give you an example. So one week maybe defending, the next week passing, the next week heading, the next week running with the ball and dribbling. So you know, they, 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 they entered throughout the season a variety of, of different aspects to focus on for a particular week. Sometimes the topics were two weeks. Um, every Thursday they would do their position-specific programme and then on a Saturday they would work back up their technical programme with a little bit of stuff linked into, linked into the bigger picture tactically for the, for the game. So um, from under-12s, um, to under 16, that that tactical program pretty much kicked in, with everything underneath that being quite similar to Birmingham in terms of being technical, um, but there were very much, very much a focus on on five key skills: so passing, receiving, attacking one v one, defending one v one, ball protection and ball management were the were the key things that we looked to look to develop in the in the nine to eleven program. Interesting. And so, for instance, under 12, I mean, is there much movement in the positions or are there positions set, set from 12 or they have favoured positions? No, I mean, during, during, the, during a player's journey, from, from my experiences at 12, um, that was probably the only contentious thing with, with the programme starting so, so young that, you know, how, how do we know that a player is going to be in that position in four years' time? So um, there, were, there were lots and lots of movement and I guess it's just the skill set of the, of the coach to, to spot that. Know, and, to, and to see what attributes you know fit best for a player. So um, I mean, we used to we used to do a game called snake football at, at West Brom that 
is one that I used to do a lot, a lot within the academy setup in the in the schoolboy phase, and, and one that I kind of forgot, which was you'd start. You, it was an eleven v eleven, and every three minutes you'd blow the whistle, and the players would rotate in position, so they just snake round, snake round the position. So your left back would end up going left, left side of centre half, and so everybody's gone around the pitch and those kind of things also also enabled you to, to look at a player and you know because we used to do it weekly you know you, you might see bloody hell you know player x has been we've had him down as being a right back but in fact you know he's, he's got he's got good ability and good creativity and good penetration in the final third maybe even move him from being a number two to number seven and and those kind of things give you the, the opportunity to, to to look at players and and to see players in different positions and I, and I thought that was you know that was kind of something that again was unique to me as a coach and something I thought was was you know was it was a clever simplistic way to, to you know to evaluate players in, in different positions and so then tell us about your next role uh, at West Brom how, how did you progress there yeah so I went into the into the 12-16 program um, so kind of my, my, my stuff with the with the younger age groups I had less less involvement but I still used to work on the 9 to 11 uh, day release and I still used to go down on a, on a Friday evening to do the 7s and 8s development centre or pre-academy um, the, the, the 12 to 16 gave me an opportunity to start looking at some more some additional tactical programs um, we had more access to the players so one of the things that I implemented when I went into that role was um, our 15s 16s were already out on a school release I got our 13s and 14s out on a school release which meant that we were able to do um, obviously more contact hour, more contact time we were able to put an, an additional um, position specific program and, and one that I devised so it was you know it was very very different to the one that that was already currently being delivered on a, on a Thursday so um, those that that role for me helped me um, or develop my skill set to you know write programs uh, develop programs, evolve programs, and ultimately, you know, ultimately deliver the programs. So um, that kind of, I think that that role kind of in, enabled me to to progress in progress that side of my, my my coaching journey. And what was your next role at the club? Yeah, so I went from there to under 18s. Um, so youth team coach, which obviously um, the results are public uh, published. Um, so, as an academy, we were we were always development first, um, always always about the, the development of the player and the progression of a player and and the you know the production of a player, but also it was a kind of you know that time where you had to mirror developmental football and winning football because at any moment in time, you know a player could enter enter into the first team, a player could you know, go and play in the reserves, a player could go out on loan. So um, that kind of that kind of was probably the most challenging part of my journey in you know in trying to make sure in the working week that they did you know the balance between making a developmental program and a winning program making sure we got that balance right because you know if you if you want to be a developmental program sometimes perhaps what you can do is you can put well not can do you'll put in additional sessions which then will affect your performance so you know at some stage we when each of was first first introduced we were doing 12 hours grass contact time now that's great because you know the players are on the grass and they're developing. Uh, um, a byproduct of it is that more players were coming injured, and a byproduct of it was that by the time we come to perform on a Saturday, a lot of the players were fatigued. Um, you know, so that was probably the the most difficult difficult challenging role for me in, in trying trying to ensure that you know, the players knew how to win. Their um, periodisation in terms of their working week from a physical point of view um, enable them to have that capacity to perform on a match day 
but also you know we, we had enough programs in there enough press contact time to to develop the player so to give us an idea then what I mean what's an ideal week for an under 18 leading up to a competitive game on a Saturday um, it's very very different at, at, at different clubs so what we did at West Brom we had we trained Monday Tuesday so they had a single session Monday double session on Tuesday their college day was on a Wednesday they do a double session on the Thursday a single session on the Friday and then play on the Saturday um, there are some clubs that, that shift and change their college day so um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a local club that they have their college day on a Thursday now the Thursday probably is, is better because the boys can train harder Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday they've got a day off their feet on a Thursday and then more often than not the session on the Friday is a light prep session so in a, in a periodization for, for us we'd, we'd call that a reactive day um, so short and sharp uh, maybe maybe a little bit of tactical work but in terms of time time duration you've drip fed that in your working week so maybe 10-15 minutes max and then some some reactive work in, in terms of some fast tight possessions um, and maybe you know maybe a, a tight small sided game or three team game to finish so um, that's probably the best model in terms of performance and freshness um, you know but I, I don't I don't think I don't think there's a, a right or wrong and as I said you know it's a it, it really is a challenge because you know you you, you want in one hand you wanting to to get that access to the players so often to improve them to develop them, but also you've got to leave enough within them to, to be able to perform on a on a match day. And how much work do you get? How much individual work do they get at that age? And how much is you know team based? Uh, how much how much chance do you get to work with those players individually on technical things, for instance, or is it more now shifted into that performance game related stuff? Yeah, we used to do we used to do like um, on a Monday would be like a, an introductory session. So the ones that had played um, would probably do a 60-minute session. So it wasn't too intense. Um, the ones who didn't play, or the the ones who didn't get much match involvement as as a sub, they'd do a little bit more. Tuesdays would be um, would be pretty much a DNA. So more around our principles, whether that be in possession or out of possession. Tuesday afternoon, you, Tuesday afternoon would be unit specific. So would break the group up into into three bands. So the defenders would work as a as a unit. The midfield players would work as a unit. The front players sometimes would do that um, individually in terms of just working with that unit. So I might work with the front three, and the front three's topic may be um, penetrate penetrating runs in, in in behind. So my aspect of my session may be that the back four might be working on defending crosses, or defending high, or defending deep, whatever specific to them. Um, Sometimes we bring it together. Sometimes we'd leave would would leave it as as units and, and use it as individual. Um, Thursday we used to do exactly the same program as the 12 16s in terms of of that position specific program, and, and we're jumping with the under 23s. So the 18s and 23s or 18s and 21s would come together. Um, so they'd have their their position specific program. And then as I said, you know, Friday really is, is, is a prep day. So there, there really would be during during the week. Uh, um, a, a, a decent enough balance in my opinion of of team activity um, some individual stuff where you know at the end of at the end of an AM session I might say to a front player who's hold up play may have been disappointing the, on the weekend come we're, we're going to spend 10 minutes so I might just work with that centre forward or you know the assistant coach might might work with somebody else so those opportunities but I thought we had a, we had a there, was, there was a good balance and a good variety within the week that you got your team stuff you had your unit specific stuff your position specific stuff your 11 v 11 stuff and your individual stuff so it's kind of you know kind of a, a way of just trying to make sure that that training program and the schedule you know ticked as many boxes as you possibly could 
Okay, so let's move on now to your first team role, your first, and how that opportunity come about? Um, yeah, so I was taking the 23s. Um, Alan Pardew replaced Tony Pulis. Alan Pardew was relieved of his duties, and, and Darren, who had, uh, Darren had worked as, as a loans manager um, and assisted me with the 23s before becoming Alan Pardew's first team coach. Um, Darren took over the, over the role as caretaker, caretaker manager and was in the Premier League. Um, and asked me to step up with him so we did the six games in the Premier League um, and then off, off the back of the success of, of Darren's uh, Darren's time in charge he was offered the, uh, the full-time job so um, Darren then appointed Wayne Jacobs and Graeme Jones as his assistant managers um, and asked me to step, uh, step up as first team, manage, uh, first team coach so um, that's how it transpired and then so tell us a little bit tell us about what was that like then the initial you know, uh, experiences. What are the challenges and of working for that first team environment with those those first team players? Yeah, well, two 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 very very different times. So the obviously the, when Darren stepped up to caretaker on the Premier League, um, you know the 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 atmosphere at the, at the football club was rock bottom because everything everything suggested that the season was done. Um, you know, and we were getting relegated, and you know a, a lot with relegated a lot a lot happens behind the scenes, and a lot goes on behind the, the scenes. You know, when when a club is going to be relegated, you know people potentially will be made redundant, people will lose jobs, um, wages will be affected, and things like you know things like that. So the club was the club, in my opinion, was was at rock bottom in terms of the atmosphere, in terms of the feeling for the football club, and and one in my 13 years prior to that, I'd, I'd never so my 12 years prior to that, I'd never experienced. Um, so the big challenge, first and foremost, was to install a, a, a better culture, um, to install some belief into the players, to go back to basics, you know, and to, and to try and get some positive performance on the pitch. So, uh, you know, I think Darren done a fantastic job in, in terms of transforming the general atmosphere, the culture of the club, the mindset of the players, and then in turn, then we had some fantastic results on the pitch. Um, when he became permanent manager or permanent head coach, Obviously, the challenge was to was to was to was to a rebuild a squad, b to try and change the footballing philosophy. We'd obviously spent you know a, lo- a long time in the Premier League on being that club that was just there. Well, not just there, but you know, one of our big priorities was 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 to was to you know to to sustain Premier League status. So you know, in a lot of games, we had to play a certain way, and us then coming coming from the Premier League, having some Premier League players to within our squad, all of a sudden. You know, people, the fans, the football club expected the team then to, you know, to, to, to be one of the one of the one of the one of the main competitors to, to get back promoted. So that was a challenge in, in going from playing a certain way and having a mindset of we were gonna concede possession, we were gonna sit and defend on a low block, we were gonna defend deep, we were only gonna look to really hurt the opposition via a counter, um, to changing that so we wanna be a little bit more front foot, we wanna press from a minimum from a mid block. We want to try and regain the ball half the pitch. We want to try and be that dominant team in possession. That was a that was a real real big challenge and and, and real big, um, real big shift in terms of our, our playing philosophy. And and one I have to say I think I think Darren worked. You know not just because he's a friend of mine. I think he worked wonders in in transforming that. So I mean if you'd have watched if you watched two games from um, a year apart, you'd have seen a West Brom team and a goalkeeper spot the ball and and go and get into a you know into a tight area where we're going to contest possession and you know we're going to try and scrap the first contact and second contacts to a team that are very very expansive and a team that build from the back and play through the thirds and and play progressive football so you know that was a that was a a hell of a challenge so then tell us a little bit about that how do you go about that in terms of what does that look like in terms of you know 
convincing the players they can play that way or you know when was it in terms of your session design what did you bring to the table in terms to make that happen yeah so I mean I think I think first and foremost I think session design is is, is a clever way to get it so obviously there's a, there's a shift in in how you work in weeks so you know if you're going to be a team that are going to going to be um, as, as, as the team were and I, listen a lot a lot of a lot of the traits defensively that the team had within them were installed by Tony Pulis, who, who I think is masterful in the way that he sets his teams up. Now, that's that's Tony's philosophy of, of play. That's how he wants to set teams up. His delivery and execution on, on getting a team to defend compact, um, to be very, very difficult to break down, to, be, to, to play through, is he, exceptional. Now, a lot of Tony's work would, would echo that. So a lot of Tony's work would be shape work, would be 11-11 work. A lot of his work would be defending 2v2, 3v3, 4v4, then defending as a team. So, you know, in session design, obviously we wanted to come away from that. So our, our session design and our shift in, in, in the way that we, we planned sessions changed and, you know, it became more in possession and it became more technical and it became more possession based and it became more playing through the thirds base. So, um, you know, very, 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 very simply and effectively through by session design, Know, and the type of sessions that we put on for the players, we would drip feed and expo, ex, expose them to, you know, to be becoming comfortable in those situations. And then so, so give us, a, give us an example then of like a like a possession exercise you did with those guys to do that. Just di- just directional. Um, so know, would so it still be like a would it still be an eleven v eleven, or would it be more like a positional game based or? No, pr- no, pretty much. I mean, we we did do eleven v eleven, eleven v eleven, or ten v ten without the goalkeepers in, in in terms of in terms of a general possession. But a lot of the possession would, would split the group, and um, you know we always seem to work with a with a magic number of twenty as, as often as we possibly could. So there'd be two two groups of ten, um, you know, and, and just just basic principles. So. Now within within your possession, you know, we would often would often do one four v four plus two. So have two neutral players. So in possession you've got the overload. So it, that gains that that trust and, and gains that um, that ability to, to to sell that. You know, it's 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 good to retain possession. It's good to be the team in possession. Um, but you know, on that one, just making sure that you make the pitch big, that you have passing lines. Um, you know, recognizing. The game hasn't changed and evolved. That if you're going to exploit an, an opposition, you'll have to play through them, round them, or over them. So again, making sure they're, they're in those those areas of the pitch, or, or making those key decisions on recognising when we play through, when we need to play on the outsides of people, when there's a high press and you need to go beyond it and use the airspace and play in the second space. So, you know, just just making sure that within those practices, how we wanted the game to be played. You know, we we echo, we echo with our coaching points on. You know, on, on recognising when to play quickly, when to play carefully, when you need extra passes, when you need to lend the ball to shift people to open space to penetrate, etc. So, um, you know, a lot of a lot of the possession stuff would be small base stuff, but you know, of course, then a lot of a lot of the 11 v 11 stuff would start start in pattern. Um, so pattern work would would often be unopposed against mannequins, just so the players got the the the, the habit of of our positional play. So how brave how brave the back four went. The shape and the position of the midfield three, if we played the three or the two, the front three, making sure they fasten down their, the opposing team back four. So making sure that we mastered that positional play first, and then we had specific patterns to enable us to, to retain, to penetrate, and play through. Um, and then, of course, then just trying to transfer that into into the eleven eleven stuff. I suppose the challenges. I suppose the challenges. Sorry to interrupt, mate. The I suppose the challenges to. Um relate that small side of stuff into the big big game, right? And then telling players, you know, how that, look, this is what, you know, all that boxes work, how that looks like an 11 v 11. 
yeah, I think I think one of one of one of the things that we did, um, we had not not every session, but probably seventy percent of the time would go into the classroom first, so the players would understand the topic we're working working on, and there'd be a video session. So I'd <clears throat> on keynote, you can you can get the get the uh, your, your sessions moving with Magic Move, and I, I I would I would I or the analysis guy would would make sure that we animated the session so the players would have would have free pre-knowledge of what they're going to work on and the reasons behind it before they went on the pitch so when we're on, when we're out on the pitch on the, on, the, on the grass you know we're not spending you know time trying to explain the session and get the session started because the players have already seen it um, you know and they, they know how the session's been structured how it's been built and how it will progress so you know lots of lots of those meetings with the players for me benefited their their understanding of not of not just the organisation of, of the practice but how the session would interlink so the technical session would interlink into the possession. The possession would interlink into the phase or the function or the bigger pitch of the 11 v 11. So, you know, the players would have would have pre knowledge prior prior to going on on the grass. And you know, I think we we we, we played a played a good part in, in making sure that we explain that in a good fashion to the players. And then talk about this. Let's go move on. Then you taking over then as the first team manager. What was that like in practice? Um. It was it was it was difficult because I was you know I had, a, I had a very very good personal and professional relationship with Darren so it was it was difficult it became you know it come as a as a shock I'd become a father for the third time only two days before that so you know there were there were lots and lots of things that that happened very very quickly but um, I think with football what you what you do is you, I think I think you understand that these things happen in football you have to move on quickly so um, I think for myself I'd always up until the point of assisting Darren. And then working as a first team coach underneath him, I'd always been lead coach. So, in terms of assuming that responsibility on planning, organising, um, game planning, that always that 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 had been that had been in my in my coaching DNA for you know for the for the prior 17 years. Um, so, we had a good group of players, which is important as well. I'd like to think that you know I made that transition smoothly, um, and I, you know and once you know once the disappointment of of Darren and Wayne and Graham losing their jobs and then moving on and me having constant dialogue with them and then giving me my support that was a, it was a position position that I thoroughly enjoyed you know I, I loved I'm not going to call it I'm going to I'm going to use the word pressure but it wasn't pressure where I was under stress you know I, I, I loved I loved having you know being being that lead person the one who was going to make you know have to make the key decisions and you know and, and structure things and you know I thoroughly enjoyed it and um, it's kind of Kind of give me the the buzz and, and the passion now and the want to progress and become a first a first team manager somewhere else. What was it like in terms of your relationship with the players? I mean, were there any? You know, we hear a lot about you know because obviously you didn't have maybe an established playing career like some people. Was that any any? Did that affect how some players you relate to some players? Um, a majority of the, the long serving players, I, I would have worked up. So you know, at some stage they would have been injured and they would have their. Um, their rehabilitation program or their reintroduction back into first team would be prior to 23. So I would have worked in them. Um, I think they would have um, respectfully understood and knew that you know I was a good coach. Um, I had good knowledge of the game. Some of them would have played in reserve team games and under 23 games for me. The checker trade game got me lots of access to lots of players. And then you know most importantly, don't forget you know with the six games in the Premier League the season before. You know, I'd almost had a year working with them. You know, so um, I'd like to think that I'd gained enough respect through um, my coach on the grass, uh, me speaking to the players at half-time, 
and one of the things that, that Darren enabled me to do when I did on a regular basis between myself and Graham Jones pretty much every single week I'd, I'd, I'd do the, the analysis session on you know on the on, on the game before so I'd, you know I'd learn, I learned enough respect from, from the players in terms of them, them working with me previously for them to understand that you know yes yes I didn't have a playing career um, you know but you know I'd, what, what, what I had had done is had 17 18 years of experience on, on learning how to coach um, I'd like to think they, they you know they understood and uh, you know and, and respect the fact that I was a competent coach and um, I have to say that the, the players the players at my the three months that I did the caretaker role they were they were magnificent for me and in terms of tell us a little bit about I mean and your communication with players in terms of you know, half-time team talks. You're losing. You know, how do you inspire? What was the difference between that and then when you were working with the 23s or the 18s? And you know, sort of communicating on pitch side in those that pressure cooker environment of professional football. Yeah, I think the I think the key thing is consistency. Um, so one of the things, and again, this was developed in within, from from within the academy at West Brom that <clears throat> half-time team talks. You know, you try and minimise it down to having three three points in possession, three points out of possession. And there may be a point that may interlink those with, with both transitions, so attack to defence and defence to attack, and that's something that I'd continue to do within the first team. And because Darren had also come through a process of, of assisting me in the, in the in the 18s and 23s, Darren did it as well, you know. So I think if you're winning, if you're losing, just to make sure that you have that that consistency. So one of the things that we had at West West Bromley within the first team as well, which was um, introduced last season, we had we had a live feed, so. With an iPad on, in the in the dugout, um, so when I was a first team coach, I kind of knew the things that well, obviously I was pro- I was you know privy to the game plan points, what we were looking to do in possession and out of possession, and I was linked to the analysis. So if I seen anything, anything on the grass that I thought we could utilise at half time to show the players, I'd get a clip, and that's something I continue to do with with Jamie Smith. So Jamie Smith. Um, pretty much assisted me in, the, in that caretaker role, and I'd turn around to Jamie and say, "Get me a clip of that." So, you know, we we had the ability to stick to that level of consistency. Uh, only speaking about three things with the ball and three things with, without the ball, but we had the ability to um, show the players good examples and bad examples of the things that we were looking to do. You know, via the video. So, you know, in the first 45 minutes, there may be an example. So, I'll give you an example in the playoff game against Villa. Villa's regroup shape was a 4-1-4-1 and we wanted to exploit the space either side of uh, Whelan in the first game and Hurahan in the second game via the position of our, our two eights um, and there were some good examples so I'd clip a, clip a good example and say look you know, look how easy it is if we get between the lines and we get somebody front face we're onto their back four and we can penetrate and we can create goal, goal scoring chances so you know, utilising that ability to reinforce positive or look at negative things to correct things was, was vitally important. Um, but I guess to answer your question and not to dive, you know to, to, to go too far away from it, you're just just that level of consistency. And of course, there's sometimes where you, you're going to go in and emotionally you're going to be more relaxed and in a more positive way. And sometimes some things can frustrate you. And and sometimes you've got to you've got to mix up the tonality of your, deli- your delivery. And I think I think that comes from experience and you know not being. Not being false with it as well, you know, not not thinking these are expecting a bollock and I'm going to give them one. I think, I think it has to suit the environment and it has to suit the moment. And I was going to ask this question because I, I see your excellent um, your little session plans you do on Twitter. Your little sessions are the board really interesting and really yeah. beneficial for me as a coach. And just I saw one of a good one you did the other day with the one of your pressing uh, traps. Just wanted to yeah. ask you about pressing. I mean, obviously it's become really predominant. 
you know, maybe with uh, Guardiola and Klopp, and how important was that, or when you were you're, you're, you're with as a coach at that time, and, and how did you how do you upskill your players into to understanding when and where to use that, and how effective was that? Um, I think during during my time in my caretaker role, I, I probably I probably reverted to um, a lot more of Tony's Tony's principles on making sure that we we defended a little bit deeper, a little bit more compact. Now, if I was to walk into a job tomorrow, and I think most coaches would say this to you that you know if, if you were to explain in very very simple terms somebody's idealistic approach to um, managing a team and what you want, you'd want a team that recover the ball back up the pitch and quickly. So are you are you going to press? And you're going to be quick in transition, and you want a team that are going to control and dominate possession and create and score score goals. So, um, I think I think I think it is important. Um, I think sometimes people we can we can look at pressing and we can think about pressing, and everybody everybody thinks about pressing being top half of the pitch. But for me, the triggers, um, the triggers, the distances, um, the reaction to to your unit, you as an individual, your mate, you as a team. I think it happens in any block. So, um, you know, for, for me, in terms of educating and, and, and delivering a pressing session, I, th- I think what's key, what's key and fundamental is, is that you recognise what players that you've got, what space you're comfortable on, on potentially giving away and conceding. So, i.e., we we probably we probably at times at West Brom probably didn't have an athletic enough deep, uh, centre half pair or centre half three to be able to really press off the pitch so we have to do it a little bit deeper but if you've got athletes and you can press off the pitch and obviously you can influence that and you you trigger lines your um your 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 distances the position where you set your block your block and your trap are going to be different um so i, th- I think i think for me fundamentally it's just recognizing what players you've got but you know pressing pressing triggers and pressing responses and you know again it will never change in the simplistic first nearest man one go we all go no matter what block you're on the pitch, I think I think it's all relevant. Um, you know, so to answer your question, ideally, would I like to like to press half the pitch? Yes, I would. But I think you've got to you've got you've got to look at you know your your players your players' athleticism um, and 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 your, and your players' makeup. So you know, lots of the most successful pressing teams. You look at Liverpool; they've just got athletic players across the pitch. Their level of intensity is incredible. Um, but that's that's player based. You know, if they lost maybe two. Two players who play in their, their midfield three, and you replace them with players who are, who are less able to run. Then maybe you're not be able to do it because if the front three get picked off, then the distances between that and your midfield three are going to be too big. And then the, the ability for those players to to apply effective pressure on the ball and stay connected to your front three that will change. So I think I think it all, it's all dependent on on what you've got in your in your squad and and, and your player player characteristics. Do you look at stuff like you know trends in football? So, for instance, you look at Klopp very much. Like you said, he mentioned has three real athletes in the middle, maybe different to conventional, where he doesn't play with maybe like a technical number ten or two eights, and you know, and maybe they play a little bit quicker than Guardiola's team, was much more possession based. Do you look at things like that and think, okay, maybe I need to? Do you, I mean, do you, do you move with the shifts and the, the paradigms of football, or you just you know you have your own philosophy and you just keep evolving? I mean, how important is that to look at what's happening at the very highest level? Yeah, I think you have to, and I think you have to. You have to look at what's happening now, and you have to try and try and second guess what's going to happen. You know, in, in five years' time, if you, if you possibly can. And I remember, I remember going to an FA course, and, and Dick Bates said that he said, "Don't," he said, "Don't evaluate the game now. Try and evaluate the game in five or ten years' time. What will it look like, and 
of course, nobody's got a crystal ball, but you need to be proactive. You need to look at that. Um, but again, I mean, I, I look in my, in my time out, I've been able to reflect a lot, look at the things that are very, very strong to me in terms of my principles of, of how I see the game played, um, how I'd like to prioritise how the game is played. But a lot of it comes down to players. So, I mean, Liverpool are able to play that way, because, as I said, because of because of the physical makeup of their team, and and you know, and that consequence of of how they play is, is exactly how they train. You know, I've I've been privy to you know speaking to people who are, have been inside the camp and have seen them work, and you know, every every everything is geared around that. You know, as you say, Liverpool are, are not you know not, not 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 playing the conventional system. So, you know, I I look at Liverpool, and I see Liverpool playing a Christmas tree. I see him playing four three two one, and. You know, I see them pressing in that shape as well, where they, they're two, they're two, they're two eights, which would end up being their two wide players that took in and narrowing Mane and and, and and Salah. You know, they press from inside to out. So when the ball's on the outside, they press with an intensity, and that enables the midfield three to get across on the same side of the pitch as them, the back four to get round, and all of a sudden, because of how quick the pressing player goes and how quickly everybody else mirrors the ball in behind them, all of a sudden there's an effective press. Um, but that only that only comes that comes via their training model, how they play, and their personnel. So um, would I, would I, would I would I love to be able to take a team that could do that? Yeah, because I could because you know there's nothing nothing worse as a coach when you're playing up against a team that have a greater intensity than you, the greater work ethic than you, greater quality than you, because you're always on the back foot. And then just I mean last couple of questions. I know very busy man, Jim. Just I mean how it was difficult. How I mean talk about then your when you, it's time to leave. West Brom. How difficult was that to to, to deal with? You've been at that club a long time, and obviously now you know you, you've gone from being a working coach to being out of work. Obviously, something might be synonymous with football life. But how you know what was how difficult was that for you personally? Um, I have to say that's, that's been that's been the most the most difficult difficult time in my, in my in my whole I'm gonna say career, probably my life. You know, it's it's um, I've been removed away from doing something that I'm very very passionate about that I want to do. Um, I'm a proud man. I want to be in work. So financially, you know, I'm secure. I'm on garden leave from West Brom, so I'm still getting paid every month. Um, but you know, I've got—I think I mentioned—I've got, I've got three boys. Two of them, are, one the eldest is nine, the middle one's six. You know, and they look at daddy being out of work. So there's a little bit, a little bit of that where I feel a little bit demoralised that you know the kids look at daddy and daddy hasn't got a job, and um, you know they're too young to understand it I understand it you know it, it's a footballing world and that happens within football that you know very very rare you're, sat, you, you're sacked or removed from a job or you leave a job and fall straight into a job so you know I'm currently in that situation where you know I have found it very 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 difficult um, I'm not too big of a person to you know to, to say that you know there's been moments where I, I felt depressed and I felt very low because you know the, the, the working week and the, the structure of the week has no meaning to me you know it's it's Tuesday today. Now my Tuesday, my Fridays, and my Tuesday, my Saturdays at this moment in time are no different because I've got no structure and I'm, I'm finding finding that very very difficult. Um, but to counterbalance that, you know, it's been a I've been hard at it, you know, for a number of years. I think for 19 years. I said you know, I've worked seven day weeks, six day six day weeks. Your six day weeks, you still work on your day off because your brain never never tends to shut off in football. There's something you always want to look at and review. So. You know, and the, to, to balance it out, it's been a, been a great time to reflect. But you know, I'm most definitely, definitely ready and, and chomping at the bit to get back in now. Do you think you'd go back into academy football, or you think now you, you want to sort of go back into first team football as that manager, first team manager? Yeah, I've, I've had I've, I've, I've had four or five opportunities to, to go back in and work in academy academy football, and 
just at this moment in time, I think because of how I progressed and my coaching journey, because of where I left it, you know, I've, I've got this, I've got this burning desire to to want to be a manager and to want to be a head coach. And um, you know, the longer it goes on, that I'm unable to, you know, find the position or or you know or something something fits me and something suits me. I'll have to reevaluate, you know, and, and you know, and maybe if I'm not to be the head one, can I go and work with somebody as an assistant? Can I go and work as a first team coach? Um, yeah, I, I think first and foremost, I wanna I wanna try and remain working as, as at first team level. But if those things don't materialise, you know, I've got a I've got a wife, I've got a young family, we've got a mortgage to pay. Um, you know, there'd be a, a big possibility that I'd go back and work at academy football. Um, you know, I, I am I am missing the, the grass. I'm missing. Been on, been on the grass, and you know, and, and developing players, and you know, and, and working with players to, you know, to, to produce a game plan, and you know, and obviously then the, 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 the big, the big miss of, of match day. So uh, at some stage within the next, I'm probably guessing by January or February, if I've not got back into it, I'm gonna have to real, real good look at myself and and reevaluate, you know, the, the direction my, my, my career pathway goes. And finally, what's what be your one bit of advice for an aspiring young coach you'd like to? You know, step in your footsteps, your remarkable journey of coaching journey. I think you got you got to get your hands dirty. Um, you know, I think I think you have you have to expose yourself to as many coaching hours as you possibly can. You have to make as many mistakes as you possibly can. Um, and you've got to make lots of sacrifices. You know, I've I've missed I've missed family weddings. You know, to go and to go and take an under eleven game. You know. You, you, you look, you, you look, look back at things, and you think that was, that was stupid. But um, it's part and parcel. You know, I had, I had that passion to want to want to improve the players, want to improve and develop myself. So I think you're going to have to make lots and lots of sacrifices. Um, I would try and attach myself to a mentor um, or two, two or three mentors, and maybe a little bit different. Um, try and tap into as many coaching resources you possibly can. So you know, where we sit today with you know with social media and you know, and, and, and the websites that are available now, there are there are millions of millions of, of really really good coaching resources that weren't available when I when I, when I was a young coach. So um, I just throw yourself into it, emerge yourself into it, get your hands dirty, and try and try and make as many mistakes as you possibly can. You know, via having as many coaching um, exposures to you, you know, as, as you possibly can. Also, Jimmy, thanks very much for your time, mate. It's been inspirational. Thank you. Thank you very much. Cheers, pal. Thanks for tuning in to the MyPersonalFootballCoach.com Soccer Player Development Podcast. MyPersonalFootballCoach.com's Dynamic Ball Mastery Program is the world's leading online individual technical training program, proven and developed at the highest level in the English Premier League. Sign up now to train like the pros and take your game to the next level. Master the ball, master the game.